Now, it's time to get your morning started the right way. It's the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Thanks for being with us here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the Morning Tailgate, Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor, I'm Clay Baker. We're all in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. Keep them coming on the text line. We want to know your thoughts on how would you assemble the Chris Jones Pack Fund. All right? What are you willing to chip in? We got some great responses on the text line. We'll read them all up at 702-365-9200. We also have Super Bowl questions that were never asked. We will get to that as well. And also get your thoughts up on X at r 920 am All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. And we'll talk to Eric Kramer, a conversation that we had. Uh, It's important that we get to it. And now it's like, even though there's a a lot that we go on and around a a Super Bowl and there's many, many different topics that you go on, there's so many different things. And now an interview I've been long looking forward to as we talk to him near Christmas in December. It's Eric Kramer, former NFL quarterback, and his book, an Amazon bestseller, The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. It's absolutely awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for coming all the way in here and joining us. Good morning, you. Good morning to you guys too. Thanks for having me on. This should be good. It, it will be good. Uh, we have like uh, you know so much to get into, but first, can we just start with the Lions? Just the aftermath we of this. Can. Rocking the shirt. We got to talk about when it. When I said this could be good, that's what was going to be your first question. <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> It was good. It was exciting to watch. I was able to watch the games with my mom and dad. They're you know, 85 years old. Yeah. And, and you know, they took me to my first Lions games in the Silverdome, watching you win all these games. And, and it was sharing a moment. It was like a seminal spot for being a Detroit sports fan. But you lived it. You were there. What was it like for you on the other end, watching it on TV and watching it all in full? Because yeah, I mean, you saw something spectacular happen in the Silverdome, and it was happening at Ford Field again. It was awesome. And it was uh, earlier in the year. I had actually gone to see the Monday Night Raider game, which there may have been some Raider fans there, but you couldn't tell. And meaning that the Detroit uh, community, the city of Detroit, all its fans, everybody associated with the team has been starving for many, many years. Yes. And the fact that it actually looks and feels and tastes like the real thing, then they're going to be here a while, mm-hmm. was, a, was something to un- see unfold and then having to have been there for the two playoff games at home was something special as well. Yeah, I, I had a roommate in college who was from Detroit, and just her, her family was at that playoff game, and it's the first home one and just all, all the things that it meant to them. And as you said, there's sustainability here as well. And I think what when Ben Johnson says, I'm not going to go take a head coaching job. I want to be here. I want to see this program, whatever this window is through. What does that say to you as a former player for, for a coach to make that decision and to run it back the next season? I think that speaks to everything that when this new regime headed up by um, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, and I think when Sheila Ford Hamp, became the decision maker within the family Mm -hmm. uh it just it speaks to what they're building here is that no one's looking to get out in fact it's just the opposite everyone's looking to stay because i think they can see that this isn't just going to end with what just happened this year this is going to this has been building ever and getting better every year since so why wouldn't it continue that way given that the process they're undertaking Mm -hmm. they're not changing 
Well, and how special would it be to be part of the group that brings a potential trophy to a star fan base like that? Or we talk mm -hmm. about that with the Raiders all the time, yeah. to be the regime that figures it out after so many years of just kind of being there, not being relevant. And so I'm very excited to see the Lions succeed, even though I'm a Vikings fan. I'll, I'll take a few years off. They're only once every 10 years anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're once every 30-something. Right. So. Um, and I we think still got to the same place. It's right, stops at the NFC Championship game. Yeah, One of us has to we, break through. We could easily be talking about the Lions getting played in this upcoming game, but yeah. we're not. And uh, so I think that leaves a little taste in the mouths of those that have something to do with moving forward. Mm. Of okay, they've definitely got some motivation already in the tank, and um, as if they didn't already. But I think that's what's exciting to anybody that follows this team. And there have been lifelong Detroit fans mm -hmm. that have seen one playoff game mm -hmm. win mm -hmm. in all these years. And uh, so it's great because had they won that game uh, against San Francisco, uh, there might not be Detroit today. Like, <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's better that it was right. a slow roll, right? <laughs> maybe true. Well, they, they, they celebrate in strange ways in Michigan, don't they? They love fire. They love to burn <laughs> stuff. It's just part of the they genome, whether it's in fire. Detroit or in the Upper Peninsula. Right. They celebrate with fire with and it, burning an old couch in the middle of the street. With a bonfire, which could turn into a city, with yeah. whatever. Yeah, so. Well, it's cold out there, right? We're going to stay together for warmth. We don't need the vodka blankets if we're doing a bonfire outside. God, I've known people who've kept old couches just so they could burn them later in case a, a big win would happen. That is a hell of an idea. NFL, former NFL quarterback Eric Kramer is here with us, author of his best-selling book, his own story, The Ultimate Comeback. You know what? Think about Dan Campbell and what he was able to do with the, the Lions. I often wonder, could that happen with Antonio Pierce and the Raiders, where you don't have to have, like, the mastermind X's and O's guys, but you got somebody who invests in people, somebody who communicates and finds the best people around him to kind of help kind of, like, decentralize the power and make things better on its own. Do you find any similarities with Dan Campbell as opposed to maybe a comparison with Antonio Pierce as being somebody who wins the locker room and gets the best out of everyone? Absolutely. And I think... You know, what you saw Antonio do here uh, in a short time is exactly uh, what Dan Campbell and that crew did in Detroit. Um, because it's really getting the people within the organization to believe in what you're, not only believe in what you're doing, but have you believe in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that those bridges uh, are like, they don't tear down. And they're, they're what make people want to work for you. And it's a collaborative process. It's not just this is the way you're going to do it. Uh, it's yeah. this is the way we're going to do it together. Ultimatums, I don't think, are, are very uh, binding agents. Because when things go wrong, which they inevitably do, chaos theory, it's going to happen. There's going to be adversities faced. And if you don't have that binding agent, you're going to fall apart and you're going to become a bunch of individuals. And, and uh, that's not the business that any of us are in, right, Eric? And, and you're, you have business to do other than talk to us about Lions football. Very excited for you guys. You have a book. Uh, we've talked about it with you before, The Ultimate Comeback, because uh, it's you've got some serious stuff in your life, and you talk about it very mm -hmm. openly. You're a, a suicide attempt survivor, uh, mental health advocate uh, in today's day and age with so much outside noise and a lot of big things going on in the world and yet we're here sitting talking football like nothing else is happening out around us how do you manage that uh, that that shift that compartmentalization I'm sure you developed over the course of your playing career but mm -hmm. you employ that in your everyday life yeah it's the, it should 
the, it should slide seamlessly from what you're doing one day, which would be, in, one, in my case, playing sports, mm -hmm. to shift into whatever you're doing next and so on and so on. It doesn't always happen quite that way, but inevitably, when things get off the rails, that is exactly what you go back to doing. Mm -hmm. Meaning, so um, you talked about, you know, and, and it's in the book, where I, I did attempt suicide, and mm -hmm. I did intend not to be here. So the fact that we're even having this conversation is in itself a miracle. Absolutely. Which has not escaped me. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's so many things I'm thankful for being here for that, uh, I mean, I love life. I love depression is not a part of my life anymore. Mm -hmm. But there are things that are, meaning... Um, when you've had as much head trauma as I've had, let's say without prior to any suicide attempt, um, there's something that happens, and in, in what I've found out is that there's a term for it. It's uh, impulse control, and I've had that, mm -hmm. and I work daily to not have that. So what do I go back to? I go back to the, the one I used to play. Um, I worked with a guy named Kevin Wildenhouse, who would work with me on this visualization and um, kind of seeing something before it's going to happen mm -hmm. and then uh, breathing your way through it to be relaxed. And so that's what I've gone back to doing. And in addition to there was a long, there was two or three years where I didn't sleep. Like it was not uncommon for me to not sleep in a 24-hour period. At the most, I might get an hour or two. And so there's actually medication for that, simple as it sounds. It's sim like it's time-release melatonin. Mm -hmm. and, and so you, you work to get back where you've been successful before. Not the results of it, the results of whatever happened. Yep. It's the process of what you do to get there that matters. Those Eric are build, building blocks, right, Clay? Sorry to step on It is. On no, you. no, I didn't mean to step on because let's go back into that. Can you talk about that? Because what he was talking to you about was like trying to eliminate some of the other voices that would kind of like be creeping in your head when you start visualizing something. Sometimes our brains have a mechanism of bringing up the worst case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. Where all we can think about is what the negative will be after we envision something and that will keep you up at night. And I think a lot of people who get this book, The Ultimate Comeback, and people who are hearing your voice right now, they're dealing with that same thing. What would you tell them? I would tell them that, uh, anybody I would tell this to, uh, it doesn't matter if you're suffering from something or not suffering from something, that to do a couple things. Um, I start to observe people around you that other people seem to be comfortable talking to. And, mm. and then you, you learn to approach them. Yeah. And say, hey, you know, here's something I've, in observing you, here's something I've enjoyed or here's something that means something to me that I would like to have you on my home team. Hmm. So there's things that I want to get off my chest that were great. There's challenges that come my way that I would love to learn how to deal with. What would you say to that? Who's going to go, no, I've thought about it. No, I don't think so. So I think it's in the way that you build this little home team of 
not only when things are challenging, but things are good too. And you kind of develop uh, over time this trust between the group of you. Could be one, could be two, could be three. Um, and it's, they could be older, they could be younger. It, maturity and wisdom have nothing to do with an age. And so, you know, it could be a therapist, it could not be a therapist. But the point of it is work to don't stay put where you are because you actually can't stay put where you are. Right. The so, longer you try to do that, the worse off it's going to be. Right. So right? be proactive. Mm -hmm. So before anything termed anxiety or depression ever comes your way, have your little home team set up ahead of time. And this is what I do tell people because I've, I've had friends that have read this book and go, wow, I thought I knew you. My God. I really didn't know you. Mm. Right. And, and then... Um, and then they themselves have shared with me what they're going through or have gone through in the past or know someone who did. Right. And the only reason why they shared that with you is because you were willing to be as open and honest about all of your demons. And that's what I love about your suggestion here because for all the people, so many people are lonely. So many people are depressed right now. I'll raise my hand. I'm, I'm in the thick of it right now. Mm -hmm. But I can put on a great face and be a great performer. But a lot of people will isolate because that's what seems to feel the best. And the true answer is about connection. And that's where it's like find people that, like you said, gravitate or have others that gravitate towards them and try to connect. And whatever happens from that, it doesn't really matter. But it's about that sharedness and that, uh, that honesty of it. And, and that's, that's the wisest lesson I think that I try to peddle that you certainly have learned probably 15-fold over whatever I've done. Um, because when, when it's dark, it's, you're not supposed to be alone in it. And the more people that reach out to each other, you're like, oh, damn, we're all going through it right now. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a different world then. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you asked me before, what would you tell people? What I tell people is be proactive to be connected mm -hmm. because anxiety drives you away from that. Mm -hmm. Depression drives you away from that so before those two things ever even enter into your vocabulary know they're coming if you don't do something first mm -hmm. and if you haven't and you are now in that category that's still the way out the way out is not to stay in the hole by yourself because mm -hmm. I have found that I am my own worst counselor <laughs> See, my ego still thinks she's a hell of a one. That's yeah. my problem. I got to break right. it down a little bit more. But you're absolutely correct. You are. You're your you're worst, worst diagnosis, diagnosis, dietitian, diagnosis. I don't even know what the word is. I mean, it really is because uh, you think like you know, who knows me better than me? But I'm worst. I'm the worst person for this job. And yeah. you know, in the book, the ultimate comeback. We're speaking with Eric Kramer. Available on Amazon and booksellers everywhere. Something that Rodney Pete wrote for your book. And it really strings home, with, especially for what you just said. As men, we often don't talk about our mental health. And Eric has reminded us that seeking help is not a sign of weakness, but an act of strength. How true that is, because there were several times when I read this book that I had to put it down because it hit too close to home and I was beginning to cry. And I tell you what, you're reaching a lot of people here that uh, maybe have always felt like from an old paradigm that men are not supposed to feel this way. You'll figure it out. You'll be tough and everything will be fine in the end. But you're not supposed to feel vulnerable. Interesting, isn't it? How really you're like, if you're a stone figure, 
you're more willing to crack or you're more likely to crack than if you're pliable. Oh, and, my God. And Hello, Eric. So uh, anyway, like, yeah, that, that's life is kind of set up to um, be fluid and be sort of in rhythm with other people. Yet, so many of us growing up become isolated early on. And so that's the pattern you carry with you um, from your own home. And uh, so it's having to overcome something that shouldn't be an obstacle, but is. Which, in a way, is life. So you're kind of set up early to become, to overcome obstacles, which is what life is. Right. But to overcome them by yourself is not natural. And the thing is, too, when I, when I look at gender differences and how we, we process feelings, because I think there's a self-sufficiency expectation for men, and there's also a self-sufficiency expectation for women, but the way that we manifest things like supporter, provider, driver, explorer, all that stuff, everything is so singular, and then we, they did it by themselves, right? But you didn't get here this morning by yourself. You're not carrying all your stuff by yourself, but who, who has? And so it's, it's all a facade, and I also I think there's, a, there's something about seeking help, but then I think we fall short a lot, especially with men, with the accountability part of it. Because at some point you can help, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm doing this, but I need to be the one that makes changes in my life, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think there's, there's different ways that we skirt around that. And the society doesn't really force accountability on anyone because that's not very good for growth. But I, I think what your book does is it gives a lot of people who don't have the language and the understanding for what they're going through and that connection being, oh, an NFL player went through this too, and a big macho stone figure. I'm sure they they painted you as such, mm. and so I, I'm sure so many people. I haven't had a chance to to read all of it yet, but anybody that is willing to share their journey and a journey like yours, uh, that's that's a hero. That's a hero. You're saving lives. So thank you for for doing that and for taking the time to sit with us today. My Eric. pleasure. It started out kind of as a book to maybe share my story of depression, but it, what what it turned out to be was. Uh, a story with many more themes than just one. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I lost a son. And, uh, but, you know, I had parents that weren't perfect either. Mm -hmm. And that I had to, over time, reconcile with that. Mm -hmm. That they, too, were limited by their own upbringing. And uh, just, you know, um, I've had people, uh, like, whether it be through social media or face-to-face -face mm -hmm. or whatever, say, I, too, had X. I, too, had to overcome this. I, but I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, yes. and so, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's certainly there's many more themes and messages in there mm -hmm. than just one. Absolutely. The Fantastic. ultimate comeback. Get it on Amazon and booksellers everywhere. Eric Kramer, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. I love this book. It really means a lot to me. And I'll tell you what, one of these days, I wouldn't be surprised to see this in a movie because this is a story that needs to be told, and it's important for us, and especially on a day where we could talk about the game and the ins and outs and who you like between the Chiefs and the 49ers. This is the topic that we want to discuss and we want to get out, and we really appreciate, Eric, for you sharing that time with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. 
We'll be back after this on the Morning Tailgate. It's the Morning Tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Lindsay, Vinny, and Clay here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. Our text line is a Hummin, 702-365-9200. On uh, building the Chris Jones Pack Fund, what are you willing to chip in? We got some great thoughts here. Keep them coming, 702-365-9200. Yes, the committed committee to the defensive interior pressure and fortification. Uh, that's one naming option we could certainly go with. And, and Joel from Queens, who uh, is as good of a flotation device for this show as, as any, uh, has sent in a half novel. We know <laughs> yes. that that's what you do for realsies in your job, Joel, so we appreciate you, or at least one of the Joels does this. And so he says, morning, Gators. Uh, as far as Chris Jones goes, Chris Jones goes, yes, lay out that silver and black carpet. I am a horrible negotiator, so I have no idea what to offer uh, that a possible winning night every night at the Tournament of Kings with a double turkey leg. Huzzah! I would t- huzzah, indeed. Uh, he goes on to say, I do have to say on the quarterback issue and trading up, yes, it is an option, but it is not the only one. I'm a little perturbed, love the word, by this great player versus great team issue as I feel it is quite short-sighted and not giving fair due to all the young corners on Kansas City who were basically running the routes of the receivers. That is very true. Or the previously mentioned Chris Jones who actually won that game by stopping Purdy inside the 10 so he couldn't see a b- wide open Ayuk. Mahomes, as sick as it makes me, is as good as everyone says he is, but without those picks to build up the offensive line and that defense, he's just not in that position. Our defense stepped up big this year, but we still need an out that outside corner. We need to fill up about half of our offensive line by undervaluing those picks is not seeing the forest from through the proverbial trees. I'm not saying not to do it, but I, I'm saying the trade anything approach is more than a bit obtuse for me. Love you guys. Have an amazing day. You too, Joel. Appreciate you. Okay, Joel. A lot of great thoughts there and big Joel, words. It is. All right. All right. He's he's definitely thinking about you still got to uh, find that offensive line that you feel very comfortable with. There's pieces that are going to be missing and another outside corner. Here's they, my they question. Money. You're right, Joel. I would like to look at the Chiefs offensive line to see how many players are still there from like when Mahomes first got there. Oh, yeah. They, they've been through a complete overhaul. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was I, their big issue a couple of years ago that, that Super Bowl they lost to Tampa Bay. That's what they had they to had fortify. They, right. they, 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 they lost both their tackles in the playoffs leading up to the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. up to the Super Bowl. So they got just destroyed. You know, uh, they were injured. And it shows you how important, obvious, an offensive line is. But, w- but what I'm saying is, I, I, I get it. I understand the offensive line needs to, but we just, Patrick Mahomes has gone through various iterations of his offensive line. Mm hmm. You you build around the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like I get, I understand that that thinking, but um, I'm going to get the quarterback. And and I and and if if there's an opportunity now, it could get. Look, they're they're coming from 13th. Let's just point to the to the New England Patriots, right? Um, I would be disappointed if the Patriots are truly shopping that pick. If the Raiders aren't involved and involved at a, at a serious manner, now they could get outbid because there's teams drafting ahead of them that have a more um, you know uh, attractive starting point, which is the fir- their first round pick. Maybe the team that's picking number seven wants to trade up, and everything else being equal, their seventh pick is better than the Raiders' thirteenth pick. So that might make the difference. If that's the case, then I'm not. I can't be disappointed if mm-hmm. I'm a Raider fan. They obviously made a great offer, but they just got beat out by somebody that was five, six picks ahead of them, and and that made it more um, equitable for the for for New England. It would disappoint me though if they don't make a serious run at that. If indeed the Patriots are are open to to talking to teams about that pick. 
I would assume they would make that run, right? Like I that's that's the hard part about this because they could have a great package and then be rejected. Exactly. And they might say we, we made a run mm-hmm. on it, but some people are going to take that and say, "Well, they didn't they didn't go high enough." Mm-hmm. Like they want to win that. They that they want to win that. They want the pick. Yeah. At whatever and that's where I I think Maybe Joel is getting at two where there's this odd Mac, whatever it takes. It shouldn't be whatever it takes. There should be some discretion. There should be a little <laughs> bit of a, well, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Yes. And, yep. and especially when you have other people that have attractive options that are going to be a little bit shinier than what the Raiders have. And so if they do lose out on that bidding war. That's that, Understandable. Right. That happens all okay. the time. Okay, so we're yeah. okay. We're okay with them losing out. You on the ha- I mean, what? What's the? What? I mean, you you could be disappointed, of course. Right. But I would be more if I'm a Raider fan. I would be more disappointed and frankly angry if it was uh, out there for the taking and the Raiders just didn't even partake. Which right. that could. That's their. That's their prerogative too. And that might be what they ultimately decide to do. And I think that that's the wrong course. I think they should. Do whatever, basically whatever. When I say whatever it takes, obviously within re- there has to be a final, you know, uh, point where I can't go any further than this. And and if if you know if that if it comes to that, and and whether it's Tom Telesco, whoever says, look, this is what we offered. And if you as a fan say that's a that's a, that was a great offer. If they didn't accept right. that offer, but what if they tell us nothing and it just and we don't hear anything about it, and the pick goes somewhere and somebody buys it for the price, and we hear nothing from the Raiders because they technically don't owe us an explanation that could potentially give away other strategies going forward in the future too. There's right. usually yeah, you know right. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're probably not going to get that explanation of like why didn't this work out, and that's where it's like. It's it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's okay to if we if we don't do the by any means necessary. It's we're okay. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna be fine. We're gonna find out, and and just as we found out last year, they made a f- competitive offer to the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately got beat out by by, by another offer, and and there was a point that they didn't want to go, and mm-hmm. I think that that again that was understandable. So I think that Raider fans, all right. Uh, they, they made a competitive offer. Um, there was a there was a line that they drew in the sand. You know that's that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, that did come out. Did all of the particulars come out? No, but right. I trust enough people that I talked to to know that yeah, it was a it was they they were they were in the running for that. Right. They were te- totally in the running for that. And I and I would I would expect that to be the case this time around that they will be in the run, running firmly in the running whether or not. Their bid gets, you know, uh, accepted. Whether or not even the Patriots are open to that, that's just right. a, a rumor too, um, or, or you know, a report as well. Um, but if they, but if it is, and they don't, if we find out later retroactively, the Raiders didn't even pick right. up the phone. That's disappointing. That would be disappointing for sure, for sure. But the great thing is, is that there's going to be great players available at three, just like how there will be at five, just like how there will be at thirteen, and that's why if if the price is too rich. Sure. I'm fine with them going offensive line in the first round. I really am. I'm okay with it. Some a lot of people in the nation probably won't be okay with it. I'm okay with it because you could probably find a decent quarterback in the second round. If this is such a deep of a draft and everybody's going for it, like, who's to say that you can't develop one? Decent scares me. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just trying to get better, Vinny. I'm trying you know, to get better, I, I, I and the results will come if you keep getting better and you make the right moves and things get lucky and you execute in the moment. Sometimes you end up being the winner in the circle. Uh, an 805 Raider kind of like, hey, just be careful. One minor issue. What if Jaden Daniels goes number two to Washington and yeah. we train up three for May? I don't see necessarily for May, but you get the guy that you want. Like if, if you really wanted Jaden and, and they take him, all right, fine. But 
at least you will have like your pick of guys that outside of Caleb and Jaden. And if, if May's not your guy, well, then look at all that's there. Yeah, and I would you think know, that you, you can still find your difference makers. What I'm r- saying, right? And I would think that if when they do their evaluation, I think they'll be highly in on an, a Drake May. I think that he's going to pass a lot of the you know whether you put the film on, sit and talk to him, look at look at all the all the um, the, the, the skill set. Um, I, I, I think that, yeah, he would be somebody that I would trade up for number three, too, uh, as well, whether it's him or Jaden. I mean, I guess theoretically, maybe the Bears or whoever gets number one likes Drake May more than Caleb Williams. So to me, any of those three, I've, I feel like I've seen enough of all three to say, yes, that is those, one of those three quarterbacks is somebody that I would do. I would move a couple mountains to go get to put on this team or whatever team I'm a fan of that needs a quarterback. Raider C and Vallejo says uh, people put way too much stock in these drafts. Uh, look at our first round picks over the past three years. What have they turned into? Give up the next three number ones for a good quarterback? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's always a roll of the dice with any draft pick. Raider C and Vallejo. Okay, you're right. But this is the one where think about the Raiders teams in those past three years. They weren't as assembled and as solid as they are now. This mm-hmm. is that time where you really go and you roll the dice on something that's risky. Okay, to find that difference maker that no one else will have. This is that moment. This is that year. Well, yeah, because and and we've talked about this. I feel like the roster's in a much better position now than it was uh, at least since I've been covering this team, where there were holes all over the place. You you have your, you know, um, you bring back a Meek Robertson. You can run it back with this with this defense. Essentially, I think maybe Bilal Nichols moves on, but. Um, you know, Adam Butler and Jenkins, I think, are, are guys that are going to be pretty easy to bring back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to, you know, uh, uh, break the bank. Uh, maybe Bilal Nichols uh, as well. And, you know, maybe Tyree Wilson is a guy that you start moving more inside, playing more inside. So, yeah, I just the, – the linebacker room comes back. Everyone's under contract. The safety room, everybody's under contract, comes back intact. Most of the defensive line comes back intact. Most of the cornerbacks – Come back intact. Mm-hmm. Clay, we've been doing this a long time. How many times have we been able to say that? And not just come back, yeah. but players that you want to come back. Players that you want to come back. That's another thing. Yeah. yeah that don't, like, they don't think they can you know, find something better somewhere else, and they better deal you out of that. Yeah, or just like, or they we're going to have to roll with this guy again. <laughs> right. Be like, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, the, let's go with the promise of this st- one You guy. start looking at, okay, uh, Trayvon Merrick, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcus Epps, yes. We, you want those guys back. As opposed to you settled for a lot of guys over the years. Now it's way less of that. You know, when you're Robert Spillane, of course you want Robert Spillane back. Heck yeah, you want Robert Spillane back. Um, you know, so so you want Divine Diablo back. He was having a, he had another good year. You know, you want Nate Hobbs back. You want um, uh, Jack Jones. <laughs> Think about Jack Jones. What this guy mm-hmm. to me has number one cornerback tendencies. So you might have solved a lot of problems just by picking him off waivers from the Patriots. So uh, I, 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 and I, yes, the offensive line. There's some, there's some work that needs to be done. But I think you can, with, through free agency, maybe bringing some guys back. Don't forget Thayer Munford could be ready to to assume right tackle could uh, be. position. Yeah. you know. So so um, there's ways to 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 to, to deal with the offensive line. That's not going to be. Breaking the bank or super expensive in terms of draft assets or things like that. Yeah, and as far as like a Patriots team with Jared Mayo, Gerard Mayo, like they they could be tantalized with more picks. They could be tantalized with like, all right, uh, we have a lot of holes, and 
if we're going to start building this and I've, and if I've got the, you know, the, the comfortability within the offense within the offices to say, I don't have to win this year and do it all this one year. I can have time to build something. They might be up for an offer like that from around the league. Well, I think the thing with, you know, you're resetting in New England to some extent, you know, you're moving away now from Bill Belichick. I think in and of itself, that means that you're open to a little bit of a rebuild here. You know, it's there's not the anxiety, there's not the, you know, um, uh, the, the the pressure, the urgency to win right now. I think in New England, all right, this is a new beginning for them, and there's there's something sometimes liberating about that and refreshing about that. Um, now, I do wonder ten years down the line if they do trade that pick, if they're going to regret doing that and that they didn't get the quarterback that they could have had. Uh, simply by saying put at, at number three. But if they feel like, hey, now's not the time to we can we can do ourselves a, a better by, like you said, bringing in all these draft assets and really digging into a, a rebuild. Maybe that is where their head is, and that's probably the, the the opening that that occurred when a Bill Belichick they move on from a Bill Belichick, which signals just a complete new beginning and maybe a complete new slate. And even uh, Washington, their new GM, Adam Peters, says this is not a total rebuild. I don't know who he's lying to, but he feels like, hey, we already have pieces that we're confident in. So fine. We'll see what that happens. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. we got to do uh, Super Bowl questions that were never asked. The ones that have just go away and they, no, we are bringing them back to life tonight here on Raider Nation Radio. Let's get back to the morning tailgate, the show that's better than an alarm clock to start your day. Now we're back here in the morning tailgate, Finley Cadillac Studios. Lindsay, Vinny, and Clay, thank you so much for being with us as we uh, will continue to get your thoughts on the text line 702-365-9200. But the thing about Radio Row is that you're inundated with so many non-sports guests, and you prepare for them because, you know, I don't know, it's like I, I want to make sure that I not only do like a you know good, quick interview, but I want the quality to be there. So we go over and we like obsess over the questions. That we would normally do for any guest. And Lindsay and I, we were left at the altar a couple times where we were expecting certain guests to show up. And we never got a chance to fire off the gems that we sweated over and we polished up. And uh, I mean, I know that you, you were at the library for a little bit. Oh, you were, days. You were at the lab trying to create the best possible equation for all these guests that we had. Yeah, I, I did such a good job that I had a bunch of um, kind of generic <laughs> questions to fall sure. back on, but I had too many personalized ones for people that I didn't really get to the generic ones. Yes. And so I get to save some of those for, for other interviews. I worked one in with, our, with Fitzy's interview today, but uh, I will never get the 40 minutes of my life back <laughs> when I researched Farmer Ty and Farmer Brandon, oh who God. were supposed to join us uh, yes. from Farmer Wants a Wife, season two, apparently premieres. Thursday, February 1st, it already played. And so that's all happening. And if you're wondering, I did some research on this show. Uh, it's about helping four bachelors plant their roots with their forever love, potential forever love. Uh, focuses on four farmers, Ty, Mitchell, Brandon, Nathan, and their journey to love. Each bachelor will host a group of eight single women who all hail from a city and expose them to the country lifestyle. So I was going to leave with this. All right, let's hear it. This could have been either Ty or Brandon. Okay. So what are your everyday expectations for a potential partner in your way of life? What do you also expect from yourself? Because oh, I want to, I, I got to like see, that. oh, they, that would have not probably been the best question to lead with, but I would have done it. I would have done it because I'm trying to make sure that this isn't just built on love, that there's other reasons for this too, right? Yes. Because this is a commitment. Any marriage is, right, Vindog? Mm-hmm. Marriage, you're, you're signing up for different stuff, but I mean, 
you're signing up for for a work order. That's true. With these farmers. So I wanted to see what kind of work order they were dishing out and what kind of list they were making for themselves. Yeah, because it's almost like a given. It's like, yes, I am rich. Yes, I have a lot of land. Uh, what more am I going to give to this equation? I already got it. Oh, There's already fixed costs. I have to do more other than just show up? Right. Ah, uh, See, I was going Shocking. to ask either Ty or Brandon this. All right. You live in an isolated community. Mm. You know, 300 miles of radius that you have probably exhausted all other attempts to find the right person. You know you're going to find somebody from the city in this uh, little uh, this little parody. Uh, how do you know that they are going to enjoy isolation? Mm. Because sometimes you ever get somebody to a ranch or out 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 in the field or whatever out camping, mm-hmm. and they can't handle it. They start to freak out when the sun goes down. Like they just they just suffocates them. How do you know that somebody can handle this or not? Because isolation is not good for some people. Right. What level of introversion do you have to? Right. What contain? are the tests? Right. Yeah. Like so otherwise, you- that's just going to sell so unhappiness and happy wife, happy life, right? Unhappy and not so great. Uh, the that's, that's a great not, question uh, to ask. Wi-Fi is not good out here. That's a great okay, question you can't to ask. sit on your phone the whole time. Uh, I did some more research because I wanted right. to see not all farmers farm the same stuff, right? It's not the same crops, not mm-hmm. the same size. It's a, it's a different consideration for each person. So Brandon, Brandon owns a 1,000 acre farm in Center, Colorado. You want to know what he grows? Potatoes and barley. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, yeah, we've had some um, genetic variation there, just in case the crops go bad. Learn from mistakes past. But what is the toughest nuance in growing said crops, potato and slash or barley? Right. I just I, I want to know the insight. Are there are there lipid problems? Are ladybugs your friend? Are yeah. bugs your friend in general? Are you that type of farmer that you don't use bugs? Do you do you use you aphids instead of chem- you know, chemicals and stuff? What right? did I say? Well, a- aphids can eat, help eat the the little ladybugs right, and that's, stuff like that's that. The, yeah. I thought I said so. No, I, yeah, I th- you stole my question. I'm I don't sorry. Know. You and I both had the same question God, for Brandon. Isn't that minds. crazy? Great minds. I asked, I was going to ask Ty in Missouri. Uh, Ty the farmer in Missouri, not Ty the uh, the caller and texter that calls uh, Raider Nation Radio. But he has a twelve year old daughter, Lennon. Mm. How much is she going to have? to decide who the next wife is because you're all going to have to live together on one roof. Right. And a 12-year-old girl needs the positive role model. There's got to be a right fit. How much are you going to tend to her? Well, and at what point do you introduce the potential long-term partner to your child, right? How, how many dates do you go on before you make that introduction, Vinny? Like, what do you think? What are you, are you asking me that right now? Well, I'm yeah. just asking. Yes, I'm like, like how long I'm do you wait? I'm, you never I'm, had to make the consideration. I know that, but that's what I'm asking you. Think back like 40 years ago when Vinny wants a wife, that Fox show that you were on. <laughs> <laughs> and these were the questions being posed to you. To like how how many dates would I feel comfortable being on with uh, uh, uh with my girlfriend to then ask her parents for her hand? Sure, that's that's a di- that's yeah. the scenario that you went through. Yeah, what what was the question that well, you asked? Well, it was asking? more cuz it's it's one thing to meet the parents, it's another thing to meet the kid. And there's different considerations when you're introducing p- potential partners to kids, too, because you oh, want to be pretty like, sure. Yeah. You know, and so that's where it's like. I don't know. I right? don't know if there's a right or wrong. You know, yeah. I don't it's know. not the first date. It's not the second no, date, no, I don't no. think. But it's looming in the in the, in the back, in the background where it's mm. like, when is that time? Right. Mm. Because it's got to be perfect. And you bring them out to the farmland. You let them see. Right. It, like, and you said the tw- it was twelve year old daughter. Yeah, twelve. year Let me tell you, Lennon. as as someone whose parent, one of their parents got married right around the same age. There will be testing. <laughs> you know there's going to be. There will be testing of the commitment. <laughs> you, you, And it will be a long exposure test. This isn't one visit. One PlayStation game ain't going to buy me off. No, because the children are diabolical. Yes. <laughs> they have a plan. And we want what's best for the parents. 
These are Super Bowl questions that were never asked. There's more that comes on oh. this week. We we did a lot of work that was, you know, questions that were shelved. They're not shelved for us. They stay in <laughs> we're the not closet. Wasting. For Lindsay, for Vinny, I'm Clay. Have a great day, everybody. Rich Eisen's next, followed by our podcast page and photo gallery up at lvsportsnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.